Posho. Uh, so there is an RFC spec for RSS feeds. Okay. And one of the features on this spec is a paging feature where you can have your RSS paging and, ah. and hopefully the aggregators know how to follow the paging stuff. So I wanted to take the script that we use that generates our feed and add paging to it. But the way that the script generates everything, it doesn't really keep track of it in a data structure that I can page easily. You know, and then well the no okay, so actually paging would be easy if we were serving dynamic data on every HTTP request. Uh-huh. But when we used to do that, Bluehost would shut us down because we we're using too many CPU cycles. So then I modified the script to output in a file. So when I post a new show, I run the PHP script, which uh-huh. standard outputs, I redirect to a file. So then when you load the RSS feed, it's actually a file. Right. And that's like no CPU cycles right. compared to a ton of CPU cycles. And adding paging to the script and still have it support writing out files that's where it gets really complicated for me okay i'm not saying it's impossible i'm saying the four or five times i've taken serious stabs at it i've gotten to something and hit this like monkey wrench and like not been able to get it um i think that a a, a better more interesting project would be to 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 clarify our notes from earlier shows into something to get our notes into some sort of well constructed like this is this is what each show is um but that takes time yeah I gotta see like how big the XML file is it's so big we probably have to like chop off some of the older shows like most well, shows no, a lot most of the, a lot shows of those links do we can just throw out yeah so that, that takes the links, a whole lot of so even, most, even like mo- news stories that we like the older ones had like news stories each of the links there, there, there's breweries that no longer exist you know there's there's a bunch of links that, that no longer are wait so you want to take the beers of the, the breweries that no longer exist out or no I want to take the links to the to the uh, websites that don't oh. that... <laughs> how are we going to find all the dead links man no, I, I don't know <laughs> hire an intern that was, that's always the answer right <laughs> um well, that's it. All comes down to who's going to do it and how important is it. And the answer is, it's never important enough to to do it. Right. We could easily. I could take out all those referral links that I started adding about a year. Yeah, and a half I think ago. That, that's a good idea because like uh, there's the one for CISO. Like CISO's going to die real soon. Like, <laughs> I don't think anybody ever uses those. Those, yeah, those were. I was thinking, you know, long tail type thing. I mean, long tail definitely helps with the. The Amazon commercial stuff, yeah, because yeah, people hear it and hear it and hear it, and so that works. But yeah, the links. Yeah, all we need to keep really is just the Amazon anonymous. Like, don't confuse people, right? Just mm-hmm. Amazon, not Amazon anonymous. Amazon, just the Amazon yeah. link. All all those referral links are from Amazon. When you go into the Amazon affiliate page, right? They're like, we got all this great shit yeah, here. Get yeah. people to do this and uh-huh. do that. So that's when I'm like, well, let's just throw those up there, and maybe they'll get a click here and there. But not really. Yeah. I don't, like we've sold like two Bluehost referrals in the entire time we've been doing that. <laughs> but it's good payout for the Bluehost referral. Sure, sure, sure. We could probably change our commercial up a little bit, you know, once in a while for for if you need web hosting, we use Bluehost. You but know. then you're lo- you're losing the whole long tail aspect. Yeah. Right? I mean, the, the whole point is to keep just pounding the yeah. same thing into yeah. people's heads. Sure. So I think that that's that's the most effective thing. And as you explained very well on this episode, the point is this is a way we can get money without actually asking anybody for money, because it's, it's stuff people would normally do anyway. So we're just asking them to do to slightly change up their the way they're doing their stuff, and that's all. And that's what way we can get money. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Uh, the eclipse is coming. The eclipse is coming. Oh my god! The eclipse oh is coming. Get your eclipse glasses. Yeah, I got eclipse glasses. All right. It's still gonna be pretty cool here in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Just not. The sky's not gonna turn dark, and right. the world's not gonna end. But it's pretty cool here in Pittsburgh. Oh, you thinking the world's gonna end? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely gonna end. Oh, wait up!
wait, I wait, I wait. Um. I'm like, I can't believe it's almost here. It's been on my calendar for like at least 15 years. Maybe 20 years. There's another one like 2026 or 2024. 2024. It's going to be actually closer to here. Shit. Fuck, you have to wait too long. Just have to stay alive that long. Yeah, no. We'll, Just don't we'll get any car accidents. I'll be going to that one as well. No, no, reason, to, no reason to skip this one. Yeah. It, yeah, well, that one's going to be longer. That one's going to be like four minutes. As opposed I mean, the to only reason why I'm skipping this was that I fucking had surgery in the beginning of the year. Yeah. <laughs> so that I fucked me up. No, I hear you. Um, 2024. It goes from Mexico up. If you go between Erie and Cleveland, mm-hmm. you know, it passes between there. So uh, you don't have to go very far. Yeah, to... not at all. I mean, you, you, and you, it's, you it's, have to like, you know, get rent a place. You just make a day of it. Yeah. If four, it's it's over four minutes long as opposed to two and a half. Because the way the geometries work, you know, it's going to be a longer totality. Um, yeah, so definitely going to be checking that one out as well. You're going to have to go over into Ohio. What would have been cool is uh, like if like Kelly's Island where we go was in the past of the totality, but it, it, because it's like vacation time. Oh no, no, I'm sorry, no, it's not. It's in April. So yeah, we're not going to be going to Kelly's Island in April. Probably still snow on the ground or ice in the harbor or something. Um, so I, I probably should start making plans for that one too, since it's uh, seven short years away. I, I hope and kind of expect we'll still be doing the show, <laughs> yeah. ranting about whatever new style has come on. Some kind of like intergalactic pale ale. <laughs> <laughs> intergalactic pale ale pale ale intergalactic <laughs> oh man so yeah I'm excited I can't believe like I said you know when I first heard that there was an eclipse in the United States and it was in the eastern United States I threw it on my calendar I'm like I need to do this and it probably wasn't 20 whole years ago but it was definitely 15 years ago I remember ago. I told you the video that I want to see which is not the video of the eclipse. Yeah, the yeah. video of everyone like reacting as yes. the light goes out. No, that's that's part of my plan. My plan is I'm going to set up one camera on a, like a low tripod, like shooting us, and then that's definite. And then probably I'm. You want me to grab to get my other um, my, my tracking telescope for you? Can I track the sun? Sure, of course it can. It can track anything. The sun's real big. The sun's a huge amount. Of, yeah. huge amount of degrees. I, it's good. It's but you got to get a filter for it because remember it's a five and a half. Yeah, no, I know. I mean, inch. so a filter on a telescope like that is most of it is opaque, and then a small little circle of it is no, know, no, like no, a, no. It, it is it is a legitimate. In order for that to work right and not like melt the fucking insides, it's not a tiny circle because it's still a huge no. amount of energy. No, it, it's a no, no. Listen, it's a filter you, that lets ninety nine percent of the light let me, that, that, that like polarizes ninety nine percent of the light. Let, let me finish. Let me. You finish. said a tiny hole. No, I have I have a three inch by three inch solar filter. Okay, sheet of mylar type stuff. And sure, that won't fit over your five and a quarter inch telescope, but. What people do is they'll put that on a sheet of cardboard, so it'll you'll have like a six-inch piece of cardboard mm-hmm. with a three-inch hole cut in it with a sheet over it, and you'll put that over the front of your telescope. That's all you need. You don't need you don't need six-inch square inches of solar filter. All right. Well, I guess that'll work. But I mean, I think because I've, I've watched the sun. I've looked at the sun through a solar filter before. It's really cool. You can see like sunspots and shit like yeah. that. So, I I wasn't. I was debating whether to take the three and a half inch telescope, or maybe your binoculars. But the binoculars I really can't filter, uh, unless I do the same thing, right? right? Unless I do like I cut the sheet in half, mm-hmm. and then do like tiny little versions of that on both eyes. But if we did the five and a quarter or the three and a half, it was going to be make a square like this big my hands are showing like a six inch circle square or something like that and then cut a hole 
smaller than the diameter of my solar filter that mm-hmm. I have, which is almost like those polarization strips, but it's a solar filter, right? right. That lets that blocks ninety nine percent of the sun's light, but having a, a, a three square inches of aperture on mm-hmm. the front of your telescope is enough. You don't need the whole five and a quarter inch, you know, aperture. Yeah, sure. No, I, yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's what I would do with my plan was if I have room in the car, the three and a half inch. It's only two and a half minutes. How much is the how much is the sun going to move in the field of mo- field of view? Do I have to, you know, do I need the stepper? Do I need the tracking telescope or well, not? Well, I mean, you got to make sure you're pointed at the right place where the sun is going to be in that two and a half. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, all you really need to fucking is a, pin, is a pinhole camera, right? You just, you, you, all you really need to have is, is a card, is a piece mm-hmm. of cardboard with a, yeah. with a tiny pinhole in it, and that will reflect the, the at least the, the sun onto yeah. some other. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's all you really need. I should do some dry runs. You've got the sun every day. Well, yeah, but you're not going to see the eclipse every day. <laughs> but you can. You can, do, you can the, do a pinhole camera rig where right the the screen is the right distance from your hole. Mm-hmm. You can do. You can test the equatorial mount to make sure it tracks the sun. Yeah. You can that kind of thing. You gonna put the time into that? I was going to. Um, Test out. I'm. He's <laughs> smiling into the mic, <laughs> like a fucking shit-eating grin. That no. was what I was doing. Just, I'm telling everybody what no. I was doing. Sure, no, I just because I, I was making fun of you, but being you're facetious making, about. You're it. making fun of me, but like I said, this thing's been on my calendar for so long that I was going to do some of these preparations. What? The, I still have three weeks, so... <laughs> it's funny you say it's been so long. I was going to do these preparations. It's three weeks away. I, I, I have six... <laughs> you've, you've had this on your calendar for seven years. You were going to do these preparations. It's three weeks away. You've done, you have done none of these preparations. I've done the preparations of I know where I'm... I have a hotel. I have seven parking lots scoped out where I plan on parking. If the first six are full, I have seven of them. Where are you going to go if there's clouds? If there's clouds, we're going to look... Probably drive west is quickly as we can the plan is to wake up and around 6 or 7 in the morning drive about 45 minutes so get to our place by 8 and wait till 2.30 to watch the eclipse and hopefully this rural farm area of Tennessee isn't a city that's the one thing you really can't plan. you, you can't you can't do research yeah. and figure out how many people are going to be in uh, White Plains, Tennessee or whatever the place is uh, that I think it's called White Plains, but uh, it's it's about forty minutes outside of Nashville and forty five minutes from Bowling Green, and it's farms. And there's a high school there, and I plan on parking at the high school. That's my number one choice. And um, hopefully, getting there by eight o'clock gets me a parking spot. The school's website doesn't have anything about the eclipse, so it's not like they're going to have the parking lot full with like eclipse day stuff, at least as far as I can tell. So this is the kind of preparations I have done. But the mechanical shit. You had a fucking printer here, and you ain't been I'm, doing shit with it. I'm, the plan is to print the uh radic- the um adapter so i can put my phone on the eyepiece of the piece of equipment that i want to point at the sun so i'll get there okay i got 3 weeks man all right i believe you that you was but also part of my plan is to enjoy the fucking eclipse and not miss it dorking with equipment so okay i i get that too sure sure i get that so I'm not going to miss it because I'm trying to document it, you know, in excruciating detail. Uh, your idea of a camera watching the family? Yes, I love it. It's going to happen. Awesome. That's the most important thing to me anyway. So Right. Um, it would be cool to um, document the eclipse itself, but you know what? I think we're going to be inundated with great photos of the eclipse. How different is it that 
I took it myself. Yeah, for a little, sure. A little for bit. Sure. A little bit, but no one's going to look at my photo and think it's even in the top 50% of photos. You know? It doesn't matter because it's, it's yours. Yeah, no, I get it. No, I totally get it. Yeah, so I'm not too hung up on documenting the actual eclipse. But, uh, yeah, clouds, if, if like all of Tennessee and Kentucky and Illinois is cloudy, then I'm pretty screwed. I mean, we're not going to, you know, have airplane tickets booked to fly somewhere else, you know. <laughs> Maybe the day before, if the next, if, you know, on, on, on the 20th, August 21st looks like complete washout in Tennessee then maybe we don't go to the hotel and we drive to Nebraska or something I drive all night through Nebraska you know something like that it's something I'd be willing to do mm-hmm. but uh, you know we'll have to see how it goes Let's th- let me try this because I, I wrote a whole bunch of stuff while I was high and I'm going to see how much of it makes sense <laughs> okay What's your anticipation here? Oh, I expect none of it does. But I'm 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 curious to see whether there's like a um n- none for me. I gotta drive, and I'll just have them when I get home anyway. So, <laughs> uh, I figured I'd drink this one since yeah. you want to take the d- more delicious one home and have it in better shape. Make sure I'll take both of them home. But... Oh, I, know, I know, I know, but. This one, you wouldn't necessarily have to open tonight. It's only this empty. Right. Or this one. Kind of have to finish it tonight. Yeah, and that's easier for me to do at home. Okay, so let me just read this, and let's see if any of it... And let's see if I can... Maybe maybe I'll, I'll try to, to, to clarify it, because this is all, like, lots of, 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 of quantum-y, science-y shit. But it all was right. me just trying to, like write down what I was thinking because sometimes when you're in that uh, um, headspace of being high because what it does if you want if you want to know what the drug actually does it really um, thanks for the cheering everybody <laughs> it uh, it makes you think about things and makes you think that it's so interesting no matter what it is so and sometimes that can lead to very interesting things if your head is in the right space. If your head is in the wrong space, you'll you'll not you'll think of stuff that's dumb. So let's see how mm-hmm. this. Okay, so angular momentum. I'm starting here, so I'm reading. But let me let me clarify. Uh, I will. I mean, once I start, I'm going to be reading from my text that I wrote while I was high, and I will then clarify when I'm talking about my from myself, trying to explain myself. Okay. So, reading was angular momentum in the quantum space is the analogy of orbits in a classical space. Two objects in orbits precisely at a phase with each other is stable. Okay, so what I'm talking about here out of out of the space is in some sense uh, if you think about uh, Earth moving around the sun. That's an orbit. But that orbit is not just um, simply the fact that the earth is there and the sun is here there's also some speed that goes along with that right there's some momentum uh that has to go along with with the earth being in that space in order for it to be in a stable orbit and there are things around it there are these lagrangian points that are sort of these stable things that can exist with that that the 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 theory says that those stable things can exist and nothing else can exist as long as those two main influences are happening, the sun and the earth, right? There's a Lagrangian points where stable things can happen. One of those Lagrangian points is exactly the opposite. Mm-hmm. So you have something else around the sun, but it also has angular momentum. So, they ha- so you can't just have something outside the sun. The earth is on one side, something else on the other side. It has to have the exact same angular momentum as the earth, the anti-earth, if you will, in order for it to be moving around in the same orbit and for it to be a stable configuration. So I think what I'm going for here is the idea of electrons inside a, a electron shell. Uh, when you have one electron in, like in, in the very like in the helium atom, and you have two electrons in, in the in, in the primary shell, mm-hmm. the valence shell, they can two can exist in that as long as they both have that particular angular momentum, 
It's because it's part of the equation. You can't do without that. Just like you can't do without that in orbit. Just because you describe the sun and, and the earth, that is not a full description of the system. There's the angular momentum of the earth around the sun that, that contributes to the fact that it's orbiting. Okay. Back to what I was talking about. Uh, a perturbation, back to my text when I was high. Mm-hmm. A perturbation in of that orbit is unstable and leads to uh, whether a new energy level, a new stability, like a tidally locked or resonant object, will exist, or a collapse, which can happen at any other point. So my, my idea here, I believe, is... Again, I say I believe, because you know, I'm not high right now. Is um, you, if you perturb that orbit somehow... Now you have this orbit going right, and you perturb it somehow. It can exist at some particular energy level with that angular momentum, and it will work. Uh, or if you get into the wrong one, it will fall in or go out or something. Uh, and there are energy levels that are like resonances, like when you have the moons of Jupiter. Like for every one time uh, Io goes around four times that uh, Callisto goes around, for example. That's a stable resonance they found themselves in. Then they can't exist outside that stable resonance. Um, and when they if something tries to get into that system, the stable resonance that 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 is like a uh, a, a force against it from, from getting in there the, the, the sort of push against other things from trying mm-hmm. to interact with that sure. because there's a stable configuration and that's a lot like what's going on with atoms um, so then I got into this idea with an uh, electric resonator which has a back EMF and the switch turns off and this is wrong I'm just, I'm just wrong here. But my, my, my point was like, okay, so there is... You know how to have a good time when you're high, man. Yeah. Well, look, this is not every time I'm high I do this, but sometimes I, I get high. Like, I haven't been high in, in three weeks, and I got high, and I was like, fuck, I gotta write this shit down! Because <laughs> um, this is literally what I think about. Like, this is, this is what I do for fun. I do think about this stuff. And... It's like, man, this is oh, I'm having this could be a cool insight. I don't know, but it could be a cool insight. But the idea that I'm going for here, I'll, I'll just read what I what I write here. Uh, electric resonator has a back EMF if the switch turns off and the field is high. Back EMF is outside the containment of the previous EMF. In this sense, what I'm talking about here is there's a electromagnetic field in some area that you're doing here, and then when you turn off, there's a back EMF outside of that area. Um, possibilities outside of the original phase space. There's some stuff here, and there's some back EMF here. I I was wrong on this, by the way. Wrong. Um, But I kind of... So here's where I was going with it. So I said, ultimately, in future energy momentum space, they cancel each other out, but the symmetry does not apply to other objects and their fields caught in the wake of the back EMF which by definition is out of phase of the other orbit, so its compatibility with matter in that space is an entirely new question. Okay, I get what I'm saying here, which is that, okay, if you have some circuit that has some electromagnetic field in here, and you turn it off, there's going to be a back EMF here. Well, that EMF here and the back EMF outside, the reason why that EMF, that back EMF happens is because of you broke the symmetry here, that back EMF happens, and so it's related to that, Right? There's a electromagnetic field in this area inside the circuit. It closes. Still, there's a buildup of current. Pushes out outside of where the original current was. But the only reason why that happens is because there's it's pushing outside of the outside because this original thing was there. So that's all the the back EMF is concerned with the fact that there was a current going and then the current stopped and so there's this buildup. That's why it happens because it has to maintain some sort of symmetry. Anything that interacts with it elsewhere doesn't have to maintain the same symmetry. Like the symmetry is only concerned with what's going on with the electromagnetic field. That's all the symmetry cares about. It is a particle going through space where the electromagnetic field is when it doesn't have a back EMF coming out then that is influenced by that. If there's a particle going through the back EMF, that's influenced by that. But there's no necessary reason why there's a time symmetry of those two different particles because they're not related to the EMF. Does that make any sense to you whatsoever? No. Okay, let me, let me see if I can put it this way. There's a light shining on something. 
And let's say whenever you turn off this light, there'd be like a flash of the other light for whatever reason on the on the other direction. So there's a flash going north. Well, use an analogy of. So I mean, I. So I'm not familiar with this back EMF stuff you're talking about, uh-huh. but. I mean, that part makes. Seems plausible. Analogy I would go with is, uh, you know, slamming pipes, right? When you turn off the water and mm-hmm. pipe slam, you know, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, it is, it is essentially the same analogy. So it's the same thing. Um, the reason why I say it's wrong is because it's not like the backing up is always there, but it's like the, the pipe thing's always there, but it's, it's overpowered by the, by the general force of the, uh, of the regular EMF. So it's only when you slam it that you really see the back EMF mm-hmm. take place. It's only when you see it slam it that you see the pressure sort of build up and do the opposite thing in the pipes. Right. Um, but the, the point would be, in that pipe situation, if there was a particle interacting with, the, with that water pipe, then it'd be sort of pushed in some direction of the EMF, okay. uh, of, of, the water, of the water flow. And uh, a normal particle going through would then be, when the back EMF happened, or the back pressure happened, it would be pushed in the direction of the back pressure. But... The only thing that time symmetry is concerned with is the fact there's a pressure, and then when you close it, there's a back pressure. The time symmetry isn't concerned with anything else that happens, such as other particles coming through. So you can't ask the universe why this particle that came through as, as soon as the back EMF or as soon as the back pressure happened, why that got pushed. You can't question the universe under that. The universe only is only concerned about the the back pressure the pressure is not concerned about the particles that haven't been caught in it so there's no symmetry associated with that okay right, somebody understands that <laughs> I think I do but I don't, I'm not describing it well um, this is all to say that the energy I've been reading again from my high notes this is all to say that the energy in the device back flashes out of phase after it's closed because it has some probability of doing so but only where the energy isn't exactly in tune with the resonance. In tune with the resonance, it happens, period. Not sure what I mean there. <laughs> okay, this is where it gets the interesting stuff. However, with the fermion, spin one half particles, they have a characteristic energy can only occupy one of two phase states in any one position in momentum space. This is talking about Pauli exclusion principle, essentially. This is saying, like, when you talk about the helium atom, you have two electrons that are essentially in the same phase space. They're, they're, they're in the phase space, but they have different momentum space. Or, or rather, they have the same momentum space, but different phase space. The, the interesting thing about this here is you're talking about spin. This means that you have a spin, one, a spin particle and a spin... You can have spin up and spin down particle in the same space, but you can't have two spin ups in the same space. But the reason why is there's, there's literally a situation where... Um, there's a phase, there's an alternate phase that each wave function can be in for the particle, mm-hmm. which means the electron occupies sort of half of the phase space that we encounter. In other words, we exist in both phase spaces, but electrons only occupy half of that. Okay. So that's a weird aspect, which is that there's electrons sort of see the universe as half and half, and we see it as, right, so- as full. Electron, I, I, I think I get what you're saying. Now the follow-up question for me is, a proton or a neutron, does that occupy the whole phase space? No. Or just have to? It's so half they have spin two, okay. Yeah. Uh, unless they have, like, but, but the weird thing is, like, a helium uh, uh, nucleus has a total spin uh, that is an energy spin, so it acts as a boson. It has, it doesn't see that phase space. It, it can bunch up just okay. like light can. Um, but the, the the weird thing with this phase space thing is that you think up and down, right? Because it's so. It, wait, you said a helium nu- nucleus, right? So that's a spin up proton and a spin down proton always, or it, the so the way it will work is that you have you know proton two two protons and two neutrons, and those spins will average out to be a spin one ultimately. So they will be you can. And that's what allows helium to be a superfluid, right? So that kind of fills like all the phase space in the smallest amount of. 
Yeah, but it allows so they, it allows they can, they, they, can, they can sort of like bunch up on top of each other because they don't mm-hmm. care about the fact that there's this phase space that if they were half spin, they but would you, care. You also said they're averaging, right? So there's times where it's bigger and there's times they're, where they're... Uh, they're averaging, and, right, because yeah. there are times when... Yeah, there, there are times when the situation can, can have a one thing. All right, so here, here's a question for you. If it's only averaging to be one... But there's times where they're all in their own space. What's the other thing that lets them average to be together? Like, how are they like the fact that it's anti together? The fact that it's very very cold when you get them into these situations. So your your the amount of other energy influences are very very small. So that's why you can keep healing them into these into these bound states. Where so there's there's not a lot of extra energy that that is contributing to getting these other ones out of the phase. So that's why helium as a liquid, only you know, in that super fluid state, only occurs when it's very, very, very super duper cold. And anything that that starts to take the temperature out of that will, will immediately pop them out of that uh, that concentration. So it's really the fact that there's not a lot of influence that, that's making them uh, want to jump into another state because they they're in some sort of. It's a low, it's a shallow potential, but it's a potential, but it's so shallow that any sort of temperature fluctuation can right. bounce. My out. question more so was this. I'll try to draw it here. I'm not sure if I'm saying it right. I might not be visualizing it right. And I don't, I, I get spin up, spin down, and how they're, you know, complementary or whatever they are. When you said spin one, I probably forgot what that means compared to. But it's a up plus a down together, or well, spin one means that it really what it means is it doesn't see that phase space that the electron sees. So that to 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 a spin one particle, space has the same three hundred sixty degree uh, direction a uh, 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 difference that you and I see. But to electron, space has sort of a half up and a half down, so it sees it as seven hundred twenty degrees. If you rotate the wave function of electron three hundred sixty degrees, it's it turns into the sort of down version of what you measured. What you measured was up, uh, and then if you rotate that again, 360 degrees, it turns back into the, the up. Okay, so here's my question. Right, you have the four, the two protons, and two nucleus. Two are up, two are down, but they're not occupying the same space. So you got four, right? Fermions here. Fermions. Yes. Yes. And then you have this other one where, because things are lining up, you got two up, two down, but they're occupying the space of two fermions mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Now, you're saying it averages to this? In the right circumstances, yeah. Now, if it averages to this, but there's a percentage of this, what's the thing that's less than that to bring the average down to this? That is cold. But what's the state that is like, uh, like, uh, 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 like, like if this is also, the, this is the smallest area and the average. Well, well by average, I mean, most of them are in that state. Not. So it's like 99.9. I'm not talking about the mean. I'm point. talking about the average. Well, not, I mean, I'm sorry. I'm not talking about the uh, mean is the average. I'm not talking about the, the. Most of them are in that state. I'm talking about the fact that the mean are in that state. That that, that, that the the legitimately the largest pro- proportion of them are in that particular state. It's not like there is some and so some some above. But that's the majority. That's not the average. Well, it is the average. In if this you count case, in whole numbers only. Well, that's the thing. Spins only counts in whole numbers. It's quantum shit. It only counts in whole numbers. There is no uh, gradient. I would say the okay. So there is no gradient. If you have one spin, billion dude. helium atoms, how many of them are like this, and versus how many of them are like that? Well, I don't know. I, I don't know the answer to that. Well, that's average. Well, that that's numerical averaging. Sure. Okay. I, I, what I'm what I'm saying is that most of them are in that state. Now, if you were to take the average. The, the pure average. Okay, so if you take the pure mean, it would be in some middling state between. But that doesn't make sense in quantum mechanics. You can't have something in between okay. a half state and one state. It either is or it isn't. 
so, I mean, wh- whether that's true of nature itself or just the math that we've come up with quantum mechanics, I don't know the answer to that. But you cannot have something that is halfway between state one and state one half. I it's understand that, or not. but so, that's not what an average is. That's not, but I'm saying that, okay, so I'm saying the large, the, all right, so let me then clarify for, for, this, for the purposes of this. The, the great majority of uh, the atoms, in fact, very much to say most of them are in the, the one. So the average is approaching this. Yes, yes. Numerically, if you do numeric calculation, the average would be approaching the uh, singlet state yes okay yeah all right so i see i see where you're coming from so my I, question I see, right I see where the if the average yes. was here then there has to be something over yes, there yes yes you know you're, you're absolutely right you are correct in terms of, of of the way that you calculate averages in the american population you're exactly right and it's a, not a question. high average but it's not it's not a, it, it <laughs> but I mean, when you get it. when you get talking about quantum stuff it doesn't yeah i mean it doesn't quite work so so i think it's shorthand to say average in some sense, because like, we're not really saying we're not saying average in that sense. We're saying that most of them. Uh, which which does mean, though, if you would say, if I took the average uh, it, in a more colloquial sense, right? If I if I took the average new uh, atom, then it would be in the the boson state as opposed to the fermion state, right? Because most of those are in the boson state. So the average atom would be in the in the boson state. If if it's typical, like the typical the typical. Right. But so in but like I said, in colloquial terms, the average. Which is not true. The typical. Literally the, the average. In not literally the average. The new literally. Right. Yes. <laughs> Um, so where was I in this stu- in, in my high blur? Um, when do you get the Game of Thrones? I don't. Not in this. Uh, oh, I jumped around a lot in this shit. <laughs> when you're high, a lot of stuff happens. Are um, you on marijuana? Oh yeah, that's, okay. that's it. Yeah, that's just marijuana. Um, So I, I think I, you got essentially the point I was trying to make, which is that there's there are these resonances. This is actually what I was talking about with Nick on, on Friday, which is that you got this thing where, okay, because he was talking about music, and there's interesting uh, parallels with music here, which is that if you... Um, I was trying to explain to him why why everything is sort of modeled as these harmonic oscillators, why, why, why this is how we model things. And the answer is because there's... Uh, so I have here... I have one pen, and I'm just putting it state, and I'm calling that the the ground state. And I have another pen, that I'm just going to sort of vibrate around that state, so it's going up and down. And what I'm saying is it's oscillating around this ground state. Mm-hmm. And I'm calling that oscillation, because it seems pretty stable if I do it right, that is the first part of, that is the first place that electrons can go. It's a nice, stable oscillation. The reason why that happens is because there's a restoring force. When it goes up to here, there's a restoring force that pulls it down, it pulls it down here, goes up, etc. There's a restoring force that causes these things to come in these wave-like fashions. Now, if I move into some unstable part, then it kind of starts to go wobbly and blah, 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 goes out. But then I can jump into, just by moving myself a little bit, I can jump into a second orbital, another stable orbital and if I go really fast I can jump into a third stable orbital so there are stable waves of just this configuration and there's stable waves of the second configuration and stable waves of the first configuration that is why you get orbitals of electrons does that make sense? yeah Yep, cool. That I just sort of came up with. I've seen the jump rope explanation. Mm-hmm. Well, that illustrates it better than the pen. Yeah. I'm not sure you actually got to the third harmonic there with your No, nah, probably not quite. But, you I mean, you could definitely see the, the, the vertices and the waves you did with the jump rope. That, that takes a lot of effort mm-hmm. and time, and you got to find material. This, you could actually... I mean, it sort of does. Sort of. 
But it's uh, but it works. I mean, like you definitely see a first harmonic there pretty easily. If I, if I just uh, that doesn't work with a video, gotta get at the right point. I gotta be trying to stable with it. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, no. When you can actually push the wave down the rope, it you can see how there's. You can also see how the wavelength halves each time. <laughs> and that's that's the idea behind what you know the things. But but then there are weird effects like the hall effect and there are weird things where there are levels in inside of the levels <laughs> which you can get at. Particularly when you get in the molecules and that's where chemistry happens, and it's really interesting shit. But um, it's hard to explain particularly over the radio. There was a story about uh, Mosquitoes in Ooh. Los Angeles, I think it was. They're going to do a release of yeah, their, but they're not. So the article, I, I have a, I have a question and an issue with the article. Yeah, because they were calling the mosquitoes not genetically modified because their genes were modified by a bacterial infection and not by scientists. Interesting. So, so in other words, the scientists found a bacterial infection that would cause this situation, as opposed to engineering it. Yes. So they're not genetically modified. They're in not the genetically engineered. They're not engineered to do this. We found the materials. So my my this. argument was, and this argument, we this was kind of on the Geek Channel Slack Channel at work. Right. My arg- my first argument was, if scientists take a bacterial infection that may not be as widespread as this release and inoculate these mosquitoes and make it widespread isn't that exactly the same as genetic engineering right because well is is what i was talking about exactly the same as averages yeah no but it turns out that this uh, this kind of bacteria is like one of the most common kinds of bacteria <laughs> infections that Cause like, so it's like introducing rabbits to us. So it, it, it's weird because I forget the name of the bacteria, but when you have male, they're infecting male mosquitoes and they're releasing them, and the idea is that male mosquitoes, there'll be a huge population of male mosquitoes mating with females and producing sterile offspring. Well, that's the GM mosquito. This is a different technology. This one makes the non-viable sp- sperm and egg not. Oh, so it's non-viable offspring. Non-viable. So, yeah. Because the bacteria on the males would change some genes, and it's like a lock and key thing. Infected males can only impregnate infected females. If the females are not infected, they can't impregnate them huh. with, the, with the bacteria. And uh, this seems so weird to me. Like, what is the beneficial trait of these bacteria of only allowing mosquitoes maybe it's maybe it's just side effect right but i mean (laughs) nature like has like there's got to be a beneficial reason for this bacteria to allow males to only no no there doesn't no you're 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 i mean that's not the word i mean you're you're looking at it the wrong way if you if you think there has to be a beneficial reason there has to be there doesn't have to be a reason at all. The, I actually had this argument. It's funny because it, 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 it's, it's kind of a mirror of an argument that I had online with somebody. And I'll bring up just the, the point that I made just so I can, I can quote it correctly, what I said, because I think I said it well. <laughs> um, which is... Where was I? Um... This, I was talking about consciousness, but it, the same thing sort of applies. Um, which is that biological evolution is, is a is a very very slow random walk. Right, we've, I've talked about this before. It's a mm-hmm. random walk algorithm. Um, it's an effective way to approach and solve problems if you're given an abundance of material and energy and time. It's inefficient in time. Right, it's very inefficient in terms of the the, the way that time works. But but it is extremely efficient in recycling. Okay. Uh, one could argue consciousness is very efficient in time, but it's extraordinarily inefficient at recycling, and it's very inefficient that it creates something called ego, where it's very proud of itself. 
evolution doesn't seem to care about that shit. Consciousness does. Um, so engineering is 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 much more time efficient than uh, than evolution in uh, as uh, the natural I should say natural selection as a method of evolution. But uh, it is not very good at recycling, and it is uh, very poor at creating a whole bunch of other shit that doesn't isn't necessary, like like ego. Um, my only point here is to, is to show that evolution is not about uh, anything other than the fact that there is some sort of environmental problem that, that is solved in some way, and it's just going about all the fucking possible ways it can happen, and uh, some of them are going to work and some of them aren't. And it's not necessarily about the fact that this is the one that works or it's going to celebrate it. The one that works will shine through ultimately. So, yeah, so there's, there's two mosquito technologies that I've seen. Uh, the first one was the one you were thinking of. It's from Oxytech, where yeah. they put out mosquitoes, male mosquitoes, who impregnate females, and then the larvae die within a week or so, two mm-hmm. weeks, I think. And this one is they put out male mosquitoes who don't impregnate the females because their genes are messed up. And they can only impregnate infected females. Um, and both of these... So so I guess the question would be, when you say impregnate, does that mean they they don't try? No, no. The, the, it's effective because... They do try. They fucking all the time. Right. So... so, you, so and the... But there's no larvae the, produced. The mosquitress may think that she is pregnated by the... For a short period of time, yeah. but you know, mosquitoes only live like three weeks or something like mm-hmm. that. So this, it's in Fresno, and they're releasing um, twenty million in total, but it's like two hundred thousand a week or something mm-hmm. like that. So when I was reading the Oxytech one, the one with the GM ones, where they make the inviolable larvae who fail after a couple weeks, um, male mosqui- mosquitoes do not range very far. Like a hundred yards mm. is, and they only live a couple weeks. Right. So, like with the Oxytech, oh, it's safe because the the genes don't get into the gene pool because the babies don't make it to adulthood, um, and the mosquitoes die. And as a safety measure, sa- quote unquote safety measure, it they don't travel, they don't catch a jet stream current and right. blow across the world or anything like that. The the new one, which is part of a Google one of the Google Health things, with these bacteria infected mosquitoes, is a uh, same kind of thing. And they put them out there. They keep the stock of the sterile males high, so they do most of the fucking. And you know, then the females don't make babies. Mm-hmm. And the females die of old age before they can make babies. Is the idea there? And then the men die of old age. The males die of old age and don't range very far. So there still exists so, a viable so population, the, but the first, viable population is not as large as it was before. Right. You'd have to find females who are infected by this virus or bacteria, which may be out there and they could have babies. I don't know whether the babies are infected by the bacteria or not. Probably not, but I don't know. Um, one nice... I mean, the one interesting... So I was thinking about, like, well, well bacteria mutate all the time Mm -hmm. they they gain you know so what's going to stop this bacteria from saying oh i'm not going to use this lock and key thing where i only impregnate females i'm going to you know change but since the males die off so quickly you know the lab can make sure that they only release mosquitoes infected with a strain of bacteria that has the properties they still expect and if they find that a brood of mosquitoes has mutated bacteria, they can just incinerate them before they release them. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that seems like the law of unintended consequences is pretty reined in. Now, I think it's still open, like, what happens if all the bats start eating these infected males? But that's where I found that this bacteria is pretty widespread in... It's like, it's like the second most common bacteria like out there. So it's like war or something like that. Should affect things that much. I mean, anytime you're, you're putting something, you're, perter- you're perturbing something, you're worried. But at the same time, um, 
a, a slight perturbation of the Earth by satellites isn't going to make any isn't going to make much of a difference because it's it's just too too low. Man, did we script this segue? Because I want to talk about the DART mission, NASA's DART mission. Okay, which is um, a, a research technology demonstration type thing of slamming. A, a, a spaceship into an asteroid. Oh, to right, 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 right. Its orbit. And the asteroid that they've picked out for this mission is part of a binary pair of asteroids. Mm-hmm. So when they slam into it, they will be able to measure its deflection and everything. But because it's in the binary system, it won't appreciably change its right. orbit. Which seems like a pretty safe way to do it, even though it probably makes the math a lot harder. But we understand this math thing, right? Well, because there's going to be a restoring force that pushes it back into the orbit that it, that it was in, because it because you need to have right. a major but, I mean, you, but you have so you have more bodies, right? You don't only have like the asteroid in the sun, right? You have the asteroid, its dominant peer, which is the pair asteroid, and then the sun. So mm-hmm. you've got a three body thing to right. figure out. But we understand all that stuff. So yeah, they're going to work on. I mean, you can't do it. You can't mathematically do it to infinity, but you can do numerical approximations. But I, I guess this also helps them better calculate the deflection, like how much this yeah. um, experiment actually deflects the thing. Especially since, because there's an resonance, there's a restoring force, like I was talking about before with the yeah. atoms. And so you can then measure that restoring force. That gives you an easy way to figure right. out how much. Yeah. It, if you perturb it by something, it's going to be restored by that. And, and, and for the listeners, the, the point law. of this third law, part of this DART mission is. To have a weapon for when we find the Armageddon asteroid coming our way. <laughs> it's going to be a lot smaller than the Armageddon asteroid. I'm going to get that into a second. Yeah. But when we find that one, hopefully with enough lead time, that we can build a rocket, send it out there, smash it into it, and have it just miss the Earth without breaking it into thousands of pieces. Right. We're just kind of giving it a thump. Although I kind of like its... the gravity tractor idea more, but that's... It's, it's yeah. more complicated. Yeah. It's kind of, It's possible it's kind of sci-fi at this time. Not really. I mean, I mean, if if our up, understanding of gravity is is true, it makes a lot of sense. How are we going to get something that massive in proximity to this asteroid? Well, that's... I assume that if the asteroid is going to collapse into Earth, then a lot of industry will be focused on doing that. So yeah. that's how we do it. Yeah. <laughs> Thing is, we don't know when the asteroids these size. We can't leave not right. found them. Right. Uh, that's the other thing I want to talk about real quick is uh, planetary protection at NASA. Mentioned that you know they have found all of the Texas-sized asteroids. Yeah, right. Anything that, that could be... And they're all in the main asteroid belt, and none of them are coming to hit us. My question when I was cutting the grass today listening to Science Friday was that have they done all the three-body calculations of every of the... You know, to make sure nothing gets ejected our way. No, you know? no, of course not. Yeah. I mean, they've done, them, they've done them for the appreciable future, but they haven't done them yeah. for like a million years. Well, well, okay, but... but even the appreciable future, they they know they're out there, but have they calculated, you know, the odds, of, you know, the the interactions to make sure none are going to get. Oh, sure, over. of course they have. Yes, yeah, you can do it in the computer. It's not that hard. Okay. I mean, I mean, it's hard for us, but sure. for the people okay. who are making these computer models, no, that's not that difficult. Yeah, I guess there's less than tens of thousands of candidates, right? Yeah, so. there, there are not a huge amount of candidates that are capable of doing that, and there are. In order for something to perturb the asteroid belt that much, you need a huge amount of gravity or something, and there's nothing that is capable of that as so far. And it, I mean, if a fucking rogue planet comes in and and starts to, to perturb things out of the ordinary, then yeah, that's a different question. Okay, I, don't, I mustn't understand, you know, like three-body interactions. It seems like you could have three smaller bodies kind of toss one out, and you could have these No, asteroids. you can. I mean, so the point of three-body interactions is... It, Remember I was talking about numerical methods. The, the, the whole point is that we understand three-body interaction. Like, a two-body interaction, we can predict that into the infinite future. Because we have a, a, a theory for that that makes sense, and, and there's no there's no question about how that, you know, assuming there's no other influence, there's no question about how that will evolve. A three-body interaction, after a certain point, it gets harder and harder and harder, and the math starts to make less and less sense. So you have to use numerical approximation methods for three-body interactions and multi-body interactions in order to get... Well, I mean, I think practicality is, you know, as long as you can do a century out, you're good. Oh, yeah, then absolutely we can do a century out. That's no problem. We're talking about multiple, uh, you know, 
hundreds of millions of years, that's when these things start getting oh, sure. kind of no, sketchy. That makes sense. It's just uh, that was the question that popped up, right? right? We know about all the giant Armageddon type asteroids. They're all in the main belt. None of them are of concern. But you can get the detail about okay, so their current orbits, but have they calculated my my question, as I'm like I said, I'm cutting the grass is did they is he talking about was you know, in your your point makes sense, you know, the computers know how to do this shit. Um, so it, it it seems plausible to me that yes, they've run tons of simulations over all the appreciable asteroids in the belt and none of them are going to kick out an asteroid our way Mm -hmm. in the next 50 years. Yeah, absolutely. I think you can be absolutely guaranteed unless we're super wrong on something major. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mosquito thing brings up something interesting, which is that I read this article about about strange economic ways to, to predict an economic downturn. And one of them is a huge amount of mosquitoes in the suburbs. And the reasoning is really interesting. Uh, It's because there would be, if there's a huge economic downturn coming, you would expect more and more foreclosures, which means all these places that have more water and puddles have just puddles that are just stagnant and no one's paying attention to them, and they're just getting mosquito farming areas. No, that stands up. Stands up for sure. That's a Freakonomics type thing right yeah. there. Huh? Yeah. Cool. The other one was, was that was really cool to me was the same article was the hot waitress index. Which okay. is the idea that if you start to see waitresses being just hotter and hotter and hotter, those are people in our culture and society would generally have generally have other opportunities, but they will fall back into waitressing if the money isn't there for them to support their other lifestyle. At least pharmaceuticals. <laughs> One of the possibilities, right? Um, like in general, that's the biggest. Well, the idea is in general, hot women are easier to employ. Mm -hmm. So if they are struggling for employment, then yeah, you're. And it's not necessarily true. It's just an indicator. It's one of those things. Mm -hmm. It's like a weird indicator. Well, sure, it averages out. You know, and when the. When it starts to make a signal outside of the noise, uh-huh. then then check the mosquitoes. Right. You know, check to see if these things are correlated. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll send you that article. Uh, I, we could talk about Game of Thrones, but it was such a setup episode that I think you know it's more entertaining to, to see what happens this episode. And we'll, we'll yeah, talk about it. I, I really like the first scene. It was a good episode. I I, I liked the episode a lot, but it was a, it was a setup episode. Although I could predict the end. I knew exactly what the end line was going to be for five minutes, just waiting for them to say. I love exactly. The begin- I was just saying, oh. "Shall we begin? Shall we begin? Yeah. Shall we begin?" Just waiting for them to say that. Yeah. Came that exactly the line I thought. So it was like, uh, "I love the beginning in House Play." House Frey. Uh, Frey. That's it. Well, I, I, what, what I what I appreciate about it is, um, I, I saw. I don't want to take credit for this idea, but because it came from the the, the cracked ver- the cracked today. Um, video on this and they were talking about how it was just no one fucking cares about the phrase people the book readers maybe care but nobody fucking cares about the phrase it was just a way to get them just out of the story just alright they're gone they're out of the story no, no need to worry about them we're talking you know, shit's going down so we need to get all the incidentals out of the fucking story it was just one scene takes care of that whole fucking di- that whole line of, mm-hmm. of, of storyline it did it in a badass way, but it also was very efficient. Well, I told you last week, I'm a big friend of, of Arya's Arya, Arya's, yeah. uh, yeah. storyline. So, seeing her, like... Do what that. do you think about my Sansa prediction based on that? Oh, I think you're wrong. I think you're spot on. <laughs> it's hard to argue it. I mean... <laughs> yeah, there was... That was like, I was watching the episode, like, damn. <laughs> this is, everything's coming up Sansa. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I still, I wish I, I don't. To me, that's the hero winning. That's the you know. I mean, you argued against the hero, but to me, that's you know, like I said, that's the first family we're introduced to. Yeah, and... well, it's it's the it's good ultimately winning over a whole bunch of shit that happened to them. I suppose you can look at it that way, but it's not. 
it's not the main stars that we thought went into battle. I mean, who would have thought Sansa would have been anybody worth you know being on the throne in the first place? Yeah, that got that evolved. That came out of uh, the interactions at at. at uh, I'd like to see her do some really diabolical dark shit. You know, be more like be Cersei. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if something if she does something or or if she comes close to doing something Cersei likes and like and, and like. Walk I want her to it. do something. If she's gonna be it, I want her to be despicable. I, I just why? I just don't want it to be happy. I, I, it does just because Sansa doesn't mean. I mean, like everyone else is gonna die, so it's not like he's gonna be happy. Anyway, I gotta pee. Right. We should probably get going anyway. It's right. it's eleven thirty on a Sunday, and uh, both of us have work. All right, sounds good.